You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. So, Daniel, I would. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to your week, hopefully weekly blast of the past with 80s Revisited. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. I'm the other, Daniel Sanangelo. And with us, as always, is our loyal producer, yep. Jesse Sedgley. Great Scott! Actually, today is going to be Dr. Emmett Brown. <laughs> mm-hmm. Welcome, sir. You're a legend. But of course, this week, our second trilogy uh-huh. of the, in the history of this podcast, one of the greats. The Back to the Future trilogy, which akin to the Star Wars trilogy, has one installment that falls out of the 80s, but we're taking it out as a whole. And also, <laughs> like Star Wars, Daniel has never seen it, any one of them. And touched them. Until the past few days. I got my hands on them. That's the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Back to the Future Part 1, released July 3rd. 1985. So you were you had just turned one, yep. correct, Daniel? Yep. As, uh, about, 12, uh, about 14 months old. Mm. Yep. So obviously, like we kind of joked before, you didn't see it in the theater. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, IMDb gives it an 8.5. Rotten Tomatoes, 97 percent fresh. Dang. Mm, deserving. Gisioka. The the budget was 19 million estimated. Opening weekend 11.1. Domestic gross 210. Worldwide 381 million. Number one for the year. Care to gander a guess at the number two highest grossing movie of the year for 1985? Nope. Jesse, you got a dog in this fighter. You got to give me some clues. Okay, I'll give you a hint. The number two movie of the year is a sequel. Um, Or the highest grossing, the second highest grossing movie is a sequel, a number two. Hmm. Is it, it's not the Ghostbusters, right? They did the second one. That was way later, yeah. Yeah, way later. Not a clue. It's a one-word title. Blank two. Aliens. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, That's what they should have called keep, Alien 4. Keep giving me some Aliens clues. 2. Yeah. Name, well, actually, actually, I'll take it back. It's not a one-word title. It's known as a one-word title, but the official title is three words and a number. That's probably just confused you yeah. more. You're how about, how about you give me the third bill? Ain't nobody got time for that. The third top bill. Oh, geez. Uh, if you had to... If you had to come up with the top <laughs> yeah, billing, I'm trying stuff. to think of two other people in the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh-oh. Well, that tells me <laughs> it has a tentpole character, and then uh, okay, uh, Richard Crenna. I have no clue who that is. So. Yeah, I I'm can't tell you what it. he was in because I'm not going to this movie. <laughs> he was in Hot Shots. <laughs> Actually, maybe he was just in part two. I don't remember if he was in part one. I, I right, I'm know. just going to play know. this one. Rambo two. Okay. Excuse me, Rambo. First Blood Part 2. I got you. One of the most Second confusing blood. titles in history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was number two for the year. And uh, anyway, back to Back to the Future. <laughs> Directed by, I believe, I would gander to say, I keep saying gander, I have a verbal tick. I said it twice already. I'm not going to say it for the rest of the podcast. Don't get you gander. I would care to guess that it was directed by probably one of your favorite directors of all time, Mr. Robert Zemeckis. He's up there. Of course, he directed such classics as the Back to the Future trilogy, <coughs> as well as Castaway, Beowulf, Polar Express, Forrest Gump, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Romancing yeah. the Stone, a very amazing 80s director. We need to do that podcast soon, Romancing the Stone. I've never watched it. And its sequel, Jewel of the Nile. Mm-hmm. Not as good as the original, <laughs> but the first uh, one's awesome. Most aren't. Uh, mm. and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it's funny, too, because Zemeckis actually started off in special effects, uh, which if you kind of look at his films, such as Back to the Future, uh, especially Part 2, which was made in 89, right at the the turn of CG, mm. uh, and also Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I believe won the Oscar for Best Special Effects over mm. Aliens, didn't it? I think we had that on a podcast. It, was, it won it over one of the movies we did. Didn't Willow win in 88? Maybe it was Willow. Industrial Light and Magic kind of got started then. That's where you had the morphing, yeah. I believe, it won in 
Uh, yeah, beat uh, something we were talking about. I'll have to go back yeah. in the notes and listen. But uh, it was written by Zemeckis and also Bob Gale. They wrote the whole trilogy together. And starring the iconic Michael J. Fox as a legendary 80s icon, Marty McFly. And of course you might know, remember Michael J. Fox from such films as The Frighteners and Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. And but most importantly, Family y- Ties. You know what's funny? It's- you can tell that I've never watched Back to the Future at all because when I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, there's Chance on Homeward Bound. <laughs> that, that went through my head at the beginning. I mean, so, I know who Michael J. Fox is, yeah. but like, I mean, there's that, that's that dog. What was his name on Family Ties? Was it Alex Seaver? Alex P. Keegan. Yeah, Keegan. yeah. yeah. I knew it was Alex Keegan. Keegan. Seaver was the uh, growing pain. I, I pains, just know yeah. it from yeah. that LFO song. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I probably watched that, one that or two episodes. Girls? Song? Yeah, summertime. summertime. Alex P. Seaver. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Whatever. Alex P. Keaton. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I keep saying, I guess I keep picturing Kirk Cameron for <laughs> some stupid reason. There's a, a douche. stupid June 12th one. Oh, yeah. All right. We were talking about mm-hmm. the photoshopped uh, Back to the Future hoax. Like for every day, or, not, or every every few months, there's one saying, oh, yeah. look out for Marty McFly. Yeah. Gullible people who have no clue like me. I was yep. like, oh, I wonder if that, that must be in the film. Well, you know, when I watched honest, it, I didn't, I didn't remember the it. date. You know, no. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about the year. I was just thinking about the date. Yeah. I was like, oh, I, don't, I guess. But then uh, actually, Steven from Geekly Dose was like, on Geekly Dose, was like, it's fake. Mm. <laughs> like, He's right, yeah. It's fake. Didn't pay it no mind. Uh, but also, I think one of the most iconic and great characters in film of all time, played by Christopher Lloyd, Dr. Emmett Brown. I think of the Emmett villain. Rittis. On Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, that's, yeah, I think, I think there's there's two roles that you I think you remember him from. Mm-hmm. Either Back to the Future. First thing, well, when you hear about Chris, when you think about Christopher Lloyd, you either think of Doc Brown or Judge uh, Doom. But I started. I mean, I've watched all three movies at the recording of this podcast. He started to really. I started to really like him as they went on. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the third one. I just really liked that dude. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, all the Back to the Future trilogies, and as Jesse informed me as we were talking pre-show, he also did the voice in the Back to the Future game for Dr. Emmett Brown as well. But also, uh, he was in Buckaroo Banzai, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Hadn't he done a lot of voices lately? Uh, I'm not I sure. I think that's who I was looking at on IMDb. You might be thinking of Biff, because that dude does pretty oh, much voice. tons oh, of okay. voice acting. Uh, but of course, and also Christopher Lloyd was in the Hulk Hogan classic, Suburban Commando, <laughs> as well. One of my personal guilty pleasures. And Crispin Glover... George McFly, what a dork. <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, we, weird, weird dude, weird very, cast to me. Only one. As a group, like, I mean, it's just an odd, <laughs> but it works so well. They all, like, there's a lot of good chemistry between everybody. But, of course, uh, Chris McGlover was also in Friday the 13th, the final chapter of Willard, and uh, most recently Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. I forget mm. who he was. He, I can see him. I can remember. Who's that knight with the, uh, the eye patch? Yeah. I forget what his name was, but. He worked for the Queen or whatever. And the lovely Leah Thompson as Lorraine Baines and soon-to-be Lorraine McFly. Always thought she was very pretty. Always pretty. And, mm-hmm. of course, she's an alumni of 80, uh, 80s Revisited, having been in Jaws 3 and Red Dawn, mm-hmm. and also a future 80s Revisited episode when we do Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite movies of the 80s. Yeah. God, that movie's so Interesting. awesome. Interesting. But uh, And Thomas F. F. Wilson was Biff Tannen. Uh aside from pretty much film-wise, is Back to the Future for the most part. But he also did some TV. He had a big role in Freaks and Geeks as the coach and also in uh, the TV show Ed with that dude, Ed, whatever his name was. Uh, but he does a ton of voiceover. He does, uh, his voices in SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, Gargoyles, the TV show, and also uh, he's been... He's, uh, I've never played that's the Wing Commander games, but he's been in a, he's like a, a recurring character in that series. Because he does voices on Star Wars The Old Republic. Oh, he does? Yeah. Is he a bully? <laughs> it just says additional voices. Mm. That's awesome. who I was looking at. But he's I think he's one of the, he's a such a great villain. Like I wish there was like a, a way to go as him for the Halloween party this year. <laughs> like, I guess you have to go as future Biff. Oh, that'd be you, the most recognizable. Otherwise you just like If you get your teeth all messed up, you could do mad dog. But But you, you walk in, nobody's gonna yeah. know who you are. You know, but think you walk you're, in you're with the so boots many Sam or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good idea. I told you my idea. We'll yeah. see if it if it happens. If it happens, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, and Claudia Wells in part one played the role of Marty's girlfriend Jennifer, 
Uh, she really didn't do much aside from television. Bad story, though. Her. Yeah. Uh, the reason she's not in the sequels is because she had to drop out because her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, which opened the door for uh, the lovely Elizabeth Shue to fill the shoes. <laughs> it was a, I always uh, thought I had a... I thought it was a little clever. Big crush on her from Karate Kid Part 1. Oh, yeah. Actually, I liked her. The movie that made me have a crush on her was Adventures in Babysitting. When I started to... I was like, I wish she'd come babysit me. <laughs> I started to appreciate boobs. She has them. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you seen Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon? Uh-uh. She's got a tight shirt on the whole time, and then we just flop it all over. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> not to turn off our female <laughs> listeners, uh, James Tolkien was the uh, Mr. Strickland, the teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mainly remember him from uh, Top Gun. And, and Problem uh, Child Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Masters of the Universe is the hard-boiled cop that tries to take on He-Man and Skeletor mm-hmm. before finally siding with the... The good, the good guys, and uh, the very first filmic appearance of Billy Zane mm-hmm. as the role of Match, one of Biff Tannen's henchmen, who I really don't. As we were talking before, I don't think he speaks at all. But you pause it, you can see his face yeah. like in one shot. All the other times he's behind somebody. They should have let him spoke some because he can be a big asshole. <laughs> My favorite Pretty Billy Zane Bill. role is probably Zoolander. But like, have you seen Zoolander? I've seen it once, but I don't remember. Well, like, I can't remember the situation. I think Owen Wilson's mm-hmm. talking trash to. Uh, ben Stiller yeah. and Billy Zane's like let me handle this Derek and he's like no Billy Zane I'll handle this <laughs> it's just I don't know it's just weird oh Billy Zane's gonna stand up for yeah. I don't know that's my favorite Billy Zane memory <laughs> and that and oh, how much I hated him after watching Titanic like yeah, son of a bitch that's what I mean like he was it was one of those such an asshole you like him yeah, yeah. but he was also of course as we mentioned uh, in Zoolander and Titanic but also Demon Knight and The Phantom where he played the purple-clad hero, which also starred Catherine Zeta-Jones in an early role. And she was hot. It's my wife's crush. Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yeah. Nah, that's, a, that's a damn good one. <laughs> that chick holds up. And the music. the icon- We always talk about our, some of our favorite movie themes, and this has got to be one of the one of my favorite. Uh, in fact, it was almost tradition for our family. Whenever we went to Universal Studios, when they actually had the Back to the Future ride before they turned it into the Simpsons ride... Uh, because they always play the themes of the movies as you're walking through the park, but I mean, it was almost like every time we went to Universal, the first song we would hear would be the Back to the Future song, <laughs> and then shortly followed by the Terminator song because we would walk straight to the Terminator Two attraction because that was the first, that was the closest one to the entrance. Mm. So watch that one first, and then proceed to Back to the Future, which unfortunately that ride is no longer there, nor the Jaws ride. It's all Harry Potter and uh, Simpsons and Men in Black. Don't that just piss you off? It does. Because <laughs> you're supposed to go there to ride the movies, not ride the TV show and mm-hmm. the franchise that, you know, only had three. I don't know. That's a that's a rant. That's a rant I would have to go <laughs> on. That makes me sick. And they're making room for Transformers. Really? You take out Jaws and you put in Transformers? Mm. You know, why can't you just add Transformers and keep the classics? You know, where's King Kong? Oh, he's not here. That's stupid. Do they sell, though? Do well, the old classics sell to... They did for... You know, fifteen years, I guess. And well, why why change it then? I'm wondering. I what think the problem is Universal, and I'm talking about Universal Orlando. I've never been to the California one because mm. the prices are ridiculous. Uh, they're both pretty expensive. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, the one in Orlando, I believe their problem is they're kind of landlocked. When Disney bought his land, he bought he foresaw the future for future expansion, which is why you got four parks over there and room for more. Universal is kind of like. They have nowhere to grow. So they to add something at Universal, which Can't they did add the reason. Islands of Adventure, but that's about all they can do. Mm-hmm. They're kind of, now they have to take down stuff and add new stuff. I got you. Instead of, you know, <laughs> here's classic movie land, and now here's... Maybe know, they just wanted something fresh. Non-awesome mm-hmm. movie land. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> but this was your first time ever watching one of the greatest films of all time. Daniel Santangelo. <laughs> you get so funny. What did you think of Back to the Future Part 1? Part 1? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You seem to enjoy everything. No, I didn't enjoy certain ones. <laughs> I'm not, like, jumping in my seat mm-hmm. off of it, but I, I, it was a... You can't get more of a fun movie. Mm-hmm. It was a fun ride, especially the first one. Yeah. Um, it is nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... The set, like the set pieces of design just for the Hill Valley thing, is really. Not, I guess when I compare it to all three movies, mm-hmm. having that that little moment in each where it has the pan out and yeah. you see the whole 
Like, this is a really good job with that. Acting was fun to me. Nobody should win, like, because they, like, Oscars or anything. They started yelling towards the end of it, like, everything they said. To <laughs> Over the them. top, you know. Yeah. yeah kind of but fun. it was fun acting. It wasn't like, oh, this dude's horrible, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Biff is hilarious to me. Oh, yes, this. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, I think one of those middle things about him is like you know, make like a tree and get out of here. Yeah. He always he always messes up. My the, wife posted the that and I was Facebook. like I was I smiled at myself like I know what they're watching. I, feel, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah, I wish yeah. I could be there and watch Daniel's face light up mm-hmm. when certain things happen. But he improvised a lot of those lines actually, and it became a catchphrase like uh, a signature of that character to misquote and stuff like that. It's hard for me not to talk about all of them together. We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. I love when he went back. To fifty five, and he got to see his parents doing all that stuff. Just well, no, I'm talking about the second one when I do it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I just enjoyed it a lot. I, don't, I think Crispin Glover's kind of. I don't know. He didn't do anything for me in that movie. I think he was good for for that role. Mm. Yeah. You like hit me with a milk chocolate. <laughs> that that was a funny part. You're my density. I wonder how long I'm that your took. density. How many takes that took to get that perfectly? And then he. There's a couple outtakes of him missing his. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. So we'll save the scores for the end, but. Okay. As opposed to, you know, Ghostbusters is another comedy around that same time. Uh, what would I like more? What, not know what you like more, but how do you, you know, not comparing and contrasting, we you know Ghostbusters is one of your favorite films. I would have to were... watch this more. I love how witty they are on Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. It's chemistry. Yeah. You know, I mean. The dialogue. I like some of the dialogue a lot. You know, Ghostbusters also might <laughs> be hard to, to take it up from there. And the only reason I say it because they're both mm-hmm. basically sci-fi comedies, yeah. so it's a it's a logical comparison. But uh, the thing that I and I, of course it goes without saying, I fucking love this movie mm. to death. Yeah, oh, something real quick for '85, special effects were really good. Oh yeah, I mean the second one put it to a new level with the, especially the for flying. its time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, I, I think, thought, it was well made. I think the only mm. bad effect is when the DeLorean first goes back and they turn around, where you can clearly tell they're superimposed over the fire marks. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the only bad effect in the entire film. But they keep using it for highlights for some reason. I, I know. Like, <laughs> why can't you, you know, when the car takes off in part two, or, I mean, it just. Or like, fix it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Back to the future, the special edition. Show their pants on fire or something. <laughs> but this movie is just. Oh God, it's so it's so good. It's just it's I don't know. That's all I can really say about it because I'm just repeating myself at how good this movie is. But the one thing I I don't like about this movie is every time I watch it, I always have anxiety. Like, get, you know, get yeah. them to you know come on. Especially like two <laughs> and three. It's, it's like funny. it gets more. It builds more. I think uh, especially two with the almanac and then he can't interfere with himself from the first one. We'll get, we're yeah. talking more about two, but I mean, the, all of them have that anxiety level. It's just like. You stop, think something's stop screwing change around? And, like, yeah. <laughs> what is a movie about time travel? It could change theoretically. Uh, Someone but, went back and changed the movie. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was definitely questioning one of those, like, because Andrea's watched it before. I'm like, well, why don't, why don't he just do this? Yeah. <laughs> like well, little things. Why, see, of course, when you and when you've seen it, why don't he just go back to like two minutes before the. Uh, what were, what were they from? Libya. From, yeah, from the Unless Libyans you come. watched it on television and they change it for political cre- correctness to, uh, oh, I forgot what they changed it to, but they changed it from Libyan to like just T- terrorists. Just say terrorists or something, something like oh, that. Wow. <laughs> but then, of course, now the Blu rays and DVDs are correct, yeah. like with the. A little bit more. I guess we had to have 9 11 happen for <laughs> them to be able to unpolitically correct Libyan terrorists or something. I don't know. That's funny. I didn't expect as much kind of. They didn't cuss a lot, but they cussed more than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. And then the little scene with the band members that are chilling in the car. <laughs> like, I didn't expect that, too. Yeah. Hey, you spooks. I was like, yeah. damn. <laughs> uh, that was interesting to me. But, uh, God, it's just so awesome. <laughs> I mean, I love it to death. But, like, uh, I, uh, like you were saying, the first thing I'm thinking... Cause oh, oh. You wouldn't have a... I'm not. I'm not meaning to get into kind of this type of little thing, but you wouldn't have a black band in a 1955 white. Well, know, we're in California. Dance, huh? I don't know. No, no. Me and Andrew were discussing that. Like, is that a little too early? I'm not sure the exact time because mm-hmm. it was different for each state. Yeah. You know, around that that period. We wouldn't have it here in 1955. No, of course not. Now they were in the band, not dancing. Because I've seen other 
movies around, and we're, it's funny because we're talking about this on Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Day. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, I know I've seen other period pieces where there was a dividing line between the uh, uh, white and blacks, like yeah. on on a dance floor. But when you're, I don't recall seeing any black students, or I maybe did, I, no, I didn't maybe see that was done to where like you know the bands that way because they tied in the Chuck Berry thing. Like listen to the you know which they have all the little in things he did in the little, series the guitar like Chuck Berry does I believe where you kind of kick with it yeah I think that's Chuck Berry then. and then I mean he referenced <laughs> he did a Van Halen and uh, ACDC up in yeah, there yeah me and my wife were talking about it. I wonder if they really did that in <clears throat> 1955 at that time was it was it and it, you know I think it, it it plays I mean it's not to where like they're like you know all inter- interacting yeah like it was because I mean the dude does use a racial slur. Few yeah. minutes earlier, and then like they are the band, so they're not like interacting in a sense. Uh, that's a really good question. I'm sure that didn't that may have occurred to them. They said, "I oh, will just do this." Yeah, because it's obviously not a focus of the movie, except for that one line to get them to come out of the car and beat the crap out of Pistol. <laughs> good for them. Too. But uh, every time I watch it, I think of like a different like. Why don't you don't even have to worry about anything, Marty? Just say, Doc. Look, when we get to that point in time, just put an extra plutonium core in the back of the DeLorean before everything happens. Future's changed. <laughs> it's like uh, the sound of thunder by Ray Bradbury. Like you step on a butterfly. And I think they even reference it in the butterfly flick, which I've never seen, but I've heard it's actually good. Anyway, but like if in this, the story "Sound of Thunder," they go back in time to hunt dinosaurs as like a thrill type okay. thing. But uh, after they kill the dinosaurs, they have to uh, like get all the dig all the bullets out. They leave no trace. They actually walk on hovering platforms. But then, of course, in the story, something goes wrong, and when they get back in time, like the alphabet's different. A different person's president. Everything's changed, and the dude looks on the bottom of his foot, and he stepped on a butterfly, and that changed everything. So that, that was like the thing in the story. Like you can't go back and change something. Yeah. So it's like this. Like there's there's you would think there's certain, ways like, little it. yeah minute details of any like if they had a wreck or something mm-hmm. like with the Rolls Royce later on, but just something by a little like a person at the dance. Like he saw what was his name on it? Who? Which one? Marty McFly, what, what's oh, Calvin Klein? Calvin Klein, yeah. What if they saw something like, oh god, yeah, that guy, <laughs> and then that changed their perspective on who they were dating at the time, and therefore, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. it caused ripples because he comes back, his life's <laughs> shit at first. Because yeah. I was kind of joking with him, like, you know, Doc gets a because I've seen everything we're talking, like, mm-hmm. you know, he gets a flying freaking time machine, and you know, gets to travel time with his wife and his kids, and Marty gets shit, and I was like, oh, wait, well, no, actually, get, his life changes, so, I mean, he does get something out of the whole deal. Because, like, it's kind of shitty, you know? I was thinking about it at first, like, all he gets is a picture at the end, like, you know, thanks, Marty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but he did, you know, I mean, his life turned around and for the better. And, yeah, and Doc His girlfriend couldn't... even changed. Yeah. <laughs> Doc couldn't. I don't know. Him. I actually like, uh, what's her name? Uh, the original? Uh, I thought she was prettier, at least wow. in the movies. Now, nowadays, I don't know, because there's not many <laughs> pictures of this chick now. Right. But I think between the first and the second and third one, Jennifer Wells, or uh, Claudia Wells was a little more attractive, in my opinion, as opposed to Elizabeth Shue. I like me some shoe. I know you do. She's a shoe in for Daniel. Shut. She was cute in that first one. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Look how cute. <laughs> We're looking at pictures of Claudia Wells. Google Images. Either yeah. way, you win. What do you think <laughs> of Back to win. the Future, Trey? I already told you. I love it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> my, all my adjectives are going to be the same. I don't have a thesaurus mm-hmm. to say it's awesome, it's amazing, incredible, epic. She, oh, she's got some knockers, too. <laughs> Daniel pointed that picture. I just spoke what he pointed. I was I pointing to her this. face. <laughs> <laughs> but she's cute. Again, though, I'll save the, all the scores to the end. Yeah, but... uh. I think the and the one thing about the series while we're on it too is just that as opposed to Terminator where there's some convolution in the in the the timeline, they went to such links in this one to where it all connects like and practically perfectly. I'm sure if you watched it, it frame by frame, you might be able to pick something out. But they also give nice little explanations about it yeah. that are easy to understand. For you know, he was drawn on the board a little time thing. So I don't know. It's Easy a, to understand. Yeah, it's involving. Not like, sometimes time travel is a little bit odd mm-hmm. when you think of things. But but it's the way they handle it in this whole series yeah. is just awesome. But uh, on to the trivia, and this was this could have changed the entire franchise. Uh, Eric Stoltz was originally cast as Marty McFly, even though uh, Michael J. Fox was their number one at all times. But he was filming Family Ties at the time, and 
contractual obligations and time frames didn't make it work. But then Stoltz and Zemeckis and Gale kind of realized, like, it, from what they say, it's a mutual thing to where they realize, like, he's just not right for it and left. But they filmed a ton of stuff for it. It actually cost them, like, $3 million added to the budget to reshoot what they had shot with Stoltz already. Damn. So, uh, and then, uh, but anyway, by the time all that happened, Michael J. Fox's schedule kind of opened up. And he actually would film Family Ties during the day. And then at night, go work on Back to the Future, which is why a lot of the stuff takes place at night. If there's a shot of him during the day, it's a shot on a weekend. <laughs> so he would basically family ties back to the future sleep for five hours repeat Jeez. for that and he couldn't do any promotional stuff for back to the future because he was under contract with to do family ties so he didn't get to promote it at all and this oh, was busy dude this was really funny the time machine was originally imagined as a room full of lasers and not like a mobile thing which makes really odd and then uh, the second thought of for the time machine was a refrigerator that got hit that would have to get hit by a nuclear blast, and that's what sent it back in time. Okay, so sounds, it makes me wonder if like Crystal Indiana Skull is almost an in-joke to that or something. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make it any better. But you know, <laughs> they were smart enough to be like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> so then they Good settled thing. on a, a vehicle that, you know, but still, they still had the idea that an atomic blast is what triggers the, the coronal displacement, if you right. will, and sends it in time, which, again, they just get around by saying, oh, wait, no, it's plutonium and that mm. powers it. Thank goodness. And I wish I had a DeLorean in the 80s when this came out. I wish I did now anyway. But uh, they actually issued body kits for if you had a DeLorean. Like you could buy for your DeLorean to make it look like yeah. a, uh, the time machine. <laughs> Which uh, there's apparently a lot of people that have them still because... Uh, don't, don't worry about price. If you had that DeLorean or General Lee, what would you choose? Depends on my mood, I guess. <laughs> Like Maybe, I got I, I was during rude. the day, I drive the General Lee, and at night I drive the DeLorean. <laughs> In case I like go off road into a barn, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I am Darth Vader. That's funny to me. I want to love the crossover where he says he's Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan and combines <laughs> yeah. Star Wars and Star Trek. <laughs> Which actually, speaking of that, uh, the uh, studio head of Universal, Sid uh, Scheinberg, didn't like the title Back to the Future. He thought it was too cheesy and nobody would go see a film with the word future in the title. This is an old dude at the time. I th- I'm pretty sure he's dead by now. But he wanted to change the title to Spacemen from Pluto. What? And then he said, like, don't use the line that we were just talking about, the Darth Vader Vulcan line. Just have him say, I'm a spaceman from Pluto. And Who that, suggested that? The studio head. Oh, my God. How did this dude get this position? He later <laughs> made Pluto Nash. <laughs> <laughs> and then he killed himself out of yeah. shame, hung himself from the film. He finally got his way. Pluto Nash. <laughs> so thank God that didn't happen because what I mean, the, you know, just the design. Speaking of this movie too, I love oh, man. the cover of the film, the movie poster. Marty oh, yeah. stepping out, iconic. It's actually one of the images on our logo on iTunes and everything. In the bottom, no, that's Kurt Russell. He's in on one of the sides. <laughs> uh, but then in part two, I don't know if you've seen the covers, Daniel. But in part two. It's still Marty like that, but then behind him is Doc Brown from the future looking at his watch, Mm -hmm. or multiple watches, I think. And then in part three, it's them two in Western garb and then Claire Clayton. So it it adds, and it's just, it's I love the posters, the covers of them, just really epic. And uh, let me see. Oh, uh, when Zemeckis was pitching the film and trying to sell it to a studio to produce, before he went to Universal, he went to Disney. And Disney didn't do it because they thought it was a little too risque with the, the incestual thought Activity. of you know, going back you know yeah. which is you know it's all innocent it's not like it's not, I think it's some of the funniest parts of the not movie not like you is, followed through with it yeah. <laughs> well my <laughs> I technically don't exist right now uh, <laughs> not that I would do that I'm just saying you know I mean, he did it you know, Leah Thompson was pretty hot no but uh, so Disney passed on it and then actually other studios thought it should be it wasn't it's risque enough dirty thought <laughs> it's an Oedipus complex no I'm just saying I, I guarantee you if your mind went back in time and my mom went back in time, it wouldn't even be close if we had to date each other's moms. Oh. <laughs> I guess that's flattering for my mom, but I don't see her that way. So. It's flattering for my mom in your way, but... I'm sure Penny looked really nice. I've seen pictures of your mom. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, this is getting kind of weird. Uh, right. But anyway, the other studios were kind of thinking, like, this is a comedy. It needs to be more edgy, more risque. Like uh, other comedies at the time, like Revenge of the Nerds and uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you know, more R-rated, so to speak, uh, which didn't happen. And uh, 
this is I thought this was funny because I love Ronald Reagan, but uh, apparently he was so amused by the joke, uh, and they play, they sell it earlier too, like where when Marty's in nineteen fifty five and it shows the movie playing yeah, with Ronald Reagan's Reagan, and, then, and he's like, "Who's the president?" And he's like, "Ronald Reagan." And he's like, "The actor." It's like <laughs> I guess so, blah blah is gonna be vice yeah, president. Yeah, Jack Benny or yeah. no, Jack Benny was Secretary of the Treasury. Can't remember who said was vice hey, president. You have watched it a lot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was funny. And uh, but uh, they were saying Ronald Reagan. It, there's a story that when he was watching in the White House, because they have a theater in the White House, because the president doesn't go to a movie theater ever since that no. Lincoln incident. <laughs> Pesky Lincoln <laughs> incident. He ruined it for everybody. But <laughs> too soon. Uh, but he actually had the projectionist rewind the film so he could watch that part again because he enjoyed it so much. And that actually will play into some trivia later on, too, so remember that. And all you people at home, too. Now, uh, you mentioned Eric, Eric Stoltz was mentioned for Marty, or, or actually did scenes as Marty and was taken out, but uh, they actually thought about, consider, considered, I should say, <clears throat> John Lithgow, Dudley Moore, and Jeff Goldblum for the role of Doc Brown, hmm. which it just, none of those, maybe the only one that might have worked would have Lick- been... Maybe John me. I was going to say Jeff Goldblum just because he could be the because he was this quirky scientist in the fly for the first five minutes before he goes. I just think mm. kind of think about uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Look, guy was kind of crazy kind of dude on there. I think of those three, his would have been the closest to what Lloyd ended up his how it, the character came out. It's one of those though, Mad Morgan. You don't touch it. Yeah, it it was best how it was. Yeah, there, it was he was destined to be that character. <laughs> And this was cool, too. The inspiration for the film largely came from Bob Gale, the co-writer with Zemeckis, looking at his dad's yearbook and just wondering, you know, if he would have been friends with his dad, if they were the same age, like, would they have actually, you know, yeah, you know got, got along, or would yeah. they, you know, would he have been a bully? Or, you know, and I think everybody's kind of wondered that at one point or another, which is, you know, and he took that and made, you know, yeah, kind of write one of the greatest trilogies of all time. I don't know. Oh. I don't think me and my dad would have been best buds, honestly. Really? Yeah, I, I would have beat up my dad. <laughs> Take it as my. I think <laughs> you know, as my dad aged, matured a little bit, start you know, now you know, yeah, it's good dude to me, definitely. But I don't know back then. Interesting to think about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, speaking of Christopher Lloyd uh, and his performance, he 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 his goal. Remember how like in Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp was like, "I'm gonna be a little Pepe Le Pew and a little uh, oh, shoot, Rolling Stones guitarist, Keith Richards." Yeah, Keith Richards. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lloyd's amalgamation of characters, so to speak, was uh, pretty much Albert Einstein and conductor Leopold Stawatsky, who had like kind of that's kind of where the hair came from. That and, and Einstein, of course, hmm. uh, which is pretty interesting. It's always, I think it's always cool to see what an actor draws upon for a role, especially one that's just you know iconic or becomes an iconic performance. Uh, we talked about this too uh, before we, when we were deciding how to open the show. But Huey Lewis is actually has a cameo yeah. as the dude that says <laughs> you're too loud. Too darn, or just too darn loud as he the actual quote which is pretty funny and this I thought this was really clever because filmmakers have to come up with this a lot of time when there's height differentials between characters uh, would you care to guess how tall Christopher Lloyd is I looked oh you did I'm sorry foul Jesse you want to six foot close six one how, you want like to guess how tall Michael J. Fox is he looks short he is short five six five four five four <laughs> excuse me five and four and a half, half MJ uh so there's a significant height difference, which is when you watch it again, Lloyd, as he doesn't stand up straight, he's always a little hunched over. Mm-hmm. That's just, and they work that into the character to make up for the height differential. Or he's always like leaning over something when they're interacting in a scene together. Like when uh, Eileen shows up, or Lorraine, I'm sorry, uh, shows up to the where they're working on right before they, after they do the model, the time machine. He's like leaning over the car the whole time. He's never standing up directly mm-hmm. next to Marty to keep him in frame. And uh, this was this could have been interesting in, in a, maybe a scary way, but Leonard Nimoy was actually approached to direct it at first, but he had to pass because he was working on Star Trek Five, or was it Four? Interesting. It was Four. I'm sorry. Excuse me, Trekkies. Uh, <laughs> Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, which had a time travel element to it, actually, where the, that's when the crew comes. I think it's the dumbest Star Save Trek. Save the movie. whales. Yeah. <laughs> I saw like I was never a huge Star Trek fan, but I mean, when you grew up on Star Wars and you want and you like movies of that genre. The only thing that you had consistently until the prequels was Star Trek movies. Yeah. You know, so you kind of, as a kid, you gravitated towards them, like, sim- you know, similar worlds. And, like, I remember we saw that in the theater, and I was just like, this is so stupid. The whales save the gal... Like, whatever. 
if you're a trekker or a trekking, whichever one, you want to defend that movie, trekker. I'd love to hear your defenses. <laughs> Ice Road Trekker. And, uh, oh, actually, we were talking about the fire, because uh, the, uh, the clock tower is actually still there, but on June 2nd, 2008, a massive fire broke out in the back lot, and it destroyed uh, two archive video vaults, which actually did have backed up, like what was in it, copies of it, so nothing was lost, and a lot of the New York set used for Spider-Man 3, which at that time was directly across the street from the Hill Valley Clock Tower, uh, which has been used in other things too, like an episode of The Twilight Zone and uh, some other stuff. Yeah, but it was minorly scorched by the time the fire was put out, so it was saved. The clock tower was saved, mm. according to our information. Saved by an old man and his kid's <laughs> and sidekick. Kid <laughs> but I still think that fire was caused by a DeLorean. Right. <laughs> Doing one somewhere. Uh and this was pretty funny, I thought, because uh, we kind of joked about uh, this earlier. I think it was off the air on the podcast. But according to the writer, Bob Gale, on October 26, 1985, a group of people showed up at the mall, the Twin Pines Mall, where it was filmed to see if Marty would appear, which oh my he did. Gosh. You know, make a festival. Don't just appear out there and be weird like we're waiting. Yeah. Know, say, we're going to watch the movie or something. Or have somebody who owns a DeLorean come drive as a publicity stunt or something. Or, yeah, make it big and then Michael J. Fox just come. Yeah. Pay him. There's a, good a video on YouTube where a guy went to all the locations and, like, put himself in the movie, like, cut it out, like, green screen style. So he'd be standing there, like, with Marty and stuff like that. Was well, it come out good? Or, I mean, it came out it? decent. I'll bring it up and just play the, uh, That's the awesome. video for you. That's really awesome. <laughs> uh, and the set for Kingston Falls and Gremlins is actually the same one used for Back to the Future. Both movies were filmed in the Universal Studios backlot. Now, there's no clock tower in Gremlins. But the same kind of city, urban environment, street, mm-hmm. was used for both films, both of which were produced by Steven Spielberg. Uh, and I thought this, I didn't know this until I was researching some trivia for the film, but because uh, I don't ever, I don't believe I ever saw Back to the Future, the original, in a theater. Maybe I did, I just don't remember it. Uh, but I always saw it on VHS, repeatedly. Well, at the end of the VHS, when the DeLorean hits the screen at the end, it doesn't go to the credits. It says, to be continued. That wasn't originally on the film. Because one of my talking yeah, points okay. was going to be like, you know, and they even made it to where there was going to be a sequel. No, they left it open for a sequel. They didn't know there was going to be one until it made $300 plus million dollars in 1985 money. So uh, that was really interesting because to me it always said to be continued on the end until actually you got the DVD or the Blu-ray set and it didn't. But as a kid it always said that. And at the end of part two it always said to be concluded at the end. Mm. So it was... That was added after the fact, which was very interesting because they did leave it open for a sequel, obviously, but they actually didn't think they would get to make it. Unlike George Lucas, who wanted to make sequels to Star Wars, and then once it was a hit, he made the sequels instead of like saying, "Okay, there's definitely going to be there's more there's definitely more to tell," which was interesting. I'm actually watching that video now. Yeah, it's called Back to the Future 1985 filming location. Um, yeah, it's side by side videos of what it's like now and. But eventually he starts green screening himself into these That's videos. Awesome. I'm, have to watch I'm that. pretty sure this is the one. But this is still pretty interesting that they're going through the location side by side. Wow. So it looks like really close. <laughs> yeah, because not all of these were on the back lot. They yeah. actually had to go out and film some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I know I've seen that school and something else too. It's probably oh, those yeah, famous yeah. schools. Uh, but in the real world, again, this was. Uh, what, what, July 3rd, I said, 1985. Uh, ten days later, Live Aid was held. Of course, a huge event. Uh, and they had the concerts in London and in Philadelphia at the same time. And uh, probably one of the greatest live performances of all time. You talking about Queen? Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm. Like, I watched, I think it was like a 20-minute, 21-minute set, somewhere around there. And that was one of the, like, I get chills watching it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like, Freddie Mercury is just such a let, I mean... God, he's so awesome. But and just to see how an art, a musical artist can control an audience to where, I mean, just, I get chills now just thinking <laughs> like, you know, how badass Freddie Mercury is and was uh, and always will be. But, uh, I cannot wait for that movie. Oh, yeah. I hope they still make it because there's year. nothing. No, I see. it shows, like if you IMDb it, it still it shows coming out next year and everything. Awesome, because uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's supposed to, of course, play Freddie Mercury, yeah. which is a perfect choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Except for height-wise, but that's the only, they can get past that. Yeah. I mean, that could, I wouldn't be surprised if you could pull an Oscar out of that, if it's a good script, yeah. Yeah. something to work with, because I could just see that, like, right now, like, how awesome that can be. 
But, uh, of course, Lave was held for famine relief in Ethiopia, and it raised over six, uh, 50 million pounds. So anybody who knows the conversion there can figure it out and send us an email. Because that's all I found out was the pounds. In this location video, they keep, I see a lot of people go to Marty's house, original house. And people actually live there. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> what they think about that. If There's I, always somebody coming by. If I lived there, I would buy a DeLorean. Like, oh, and just, just park it in the park front? There and I'll put, you know, well, I see people out. My job would then be like, you want picks? Oh, ten yeah, bucks, yeah. yeah. Ten bucks. I'll take you through the house. Ten bucks. You know, <laughs> back to the future. Marty McFly's house tours, mm-hmm. and actually Doc Brown's house is a museum now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh, well, that's just a like, big uh, house. I always wonder why he had such a huge house. I guess for, oh, who knows. See now this. <laughs> oh, there is he's where like he's starting to put himself in the video. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Did you notice too, like uh, how the the series is so cohesive with its chronology? That when in the in the beginning it's the Twin Pines Mall, but when Marty goes back in time and crashes in 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 the, in the barn, he drives off as the dude's old man, whatever his name was, is shooting at him. He runs over one of the pines. When he goes back to the present, his present in 1985, it's just the I think it's called the Lone Pine Mall. Mm. <laughs> Which I mean, the, they keep track of everything in these, and I think that uh-huh. everything in the film it just makes it so cohesive. You know, it's so great. And like you know, some of the other time travel movies where it gets a little, you just have to accept that forget certain things like in uh, X-Men First Class like it takes place before the, the right. other ones but there's like several inconsistencies and which yeah. you know I don't think detracts from the film but this one like I mean, you'd really have to dig to find an inconsistency inconsistency between the three but uh, we know I love it so my score is obviously going to be pretty high but Dana what would you give Back to the Future Part 1 as your score oh I thought we were waiting until all three. Oh, you want to do that we can no, I mean, we don't, since it's going to be over a period of time. I'd give it an 8.5, something like that. I expected a little higher from <laughs> you, but... Sorry. You don't have to apologize. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's not like it's not wonderful to me. Mm-hmm. It's really I'd say good. i 9.5. Mm-hmm. One of my yeah, favorites really of all time. And I, it's just such a... But, but such here's the thing. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. It won't, it's not going to veer that much for the next movies. I would imagine. Yeah. I imagine there's small fluctuations. Yeah. There's a Very small, small yeah. Uh, and also, uh, and I didn't expect that. Didn't expect, oh, you mean to, yeah. they would hold up like that? Yeah. I, and the, mm. the thing I love about this trilogy is, is it's still a trilogy. It's not Indiana Jones or Star Wars. It's still a trilogy. Must have, hopefully they don't make a fourth one. Well, we'll talk about that, the third one. Okay. What they were planning, or ideas they had. I got you. But uh, yeah, that's it for the first one. And, of course, we have a new segment named after this movie uh-huh. called Back to the Future. Where <laughs> We're in the 80s. We're going back to the present. To talk about something current. And Daniel, what you want to talk about this week? We kind of, all three of us watched uh, a recent movie. Got a little bit of Oscar buzz. I don't think it got a ton of nominations, if I am got that right. It got, it got supporting actor. And screenplay, I believe, mm. or something. But it didn't and get best, best picture. It did. Oh, it got nominated? Yeah, they nominate 10 best pictures oh, okay, now. Okay. Well, That's why anyway, we're talking about Django Unchained. Uh, all three of us got a chance to watch it. Uh, what do you to think? To me, another Tarantino classic to me is one of those where I'll... I'll get it as soon as it comes out. Yeah. yeah. Where would you rank it? Now, like, now there's some I haven't I haven't watched. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Reservoir Dogs. I haven't watched Jackie mm-hmm. Brown. I haven't watched um, the latest Inglorious Bastards. Okay. But it's up there. Like I don't think it's Pulp Fiction quality. Welcome next yet. week to Tarantino Revisited. <laughs> we're gonna let Daniel watch all the Tarantino movies he ain't seen yet. Now watch Kill Bill. I think it's better than them. I would say so. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it's right now my second favorite after Pulp Fiction, yep. of course. Mm-hmm. I preferred Inglorious Bastards and Pulp Fiction, but yeah, it'd probably be about third. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it too much, but I would say maybe third or fourth for me, probably yeah. uh, from from his directed work. Uh, just, just I agree with what you said, it, Jesse. Yeah. Is that uh, it was the whole time I'm watching it, especially the end when I'm spoiling it for people who haven't yeah. seen it. There's that scene that's I was like, that's just like Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. The movie's practically over for me now, in a sense. Right, right. The, the heart's gone. <laughs> the heart and the devil's gone. The heart and the horror, I guess, is out of the movie, but yeah. uh, I just I think it was some of the best performances in any Tarantino film as far as I think Waltz was a lot like his Inglorious Bastards version, just a good guy, so to speak. But uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> I was uh, he him and Waltz actually both were nominated for a Golden Globe for supporting actor, which Waltz won, uh, which I'm fine with that. But DiCaprio was so like <laughs> such a smarky villain. If anybody hasn't got a chance to watch it yet. Just remember the dinner scene. It's 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 remarkable to me. Like it's fantastic. Oh, that, 
you know, when he brings out that case, that whole part where his... And you sent me that text about something that happens to him on the... Why he's shooting. Just really good. <laughs> and uh, I was going to say something else, but it slipped my mind. But it's definitely no, no, a Tarantino film. you didn't film. send me the text. Dobson did. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Perry and Crystal about that yeah, when we were watching actually. it. Uh, but I loved it. I thought it was really good. <laughs> I'd go watch it again if I didn't. Yeah, I've seen it twice. And it was actually... I thought I liked it more after I watched it the second time. Really? The first time, I, I would say I was always in shock in a sense. I just like, how kind of ballsy a lot of the verbiage and some of the parts were. But then watching it again, I guess I just watched it more enjoying it, I guess. Yeah. As far as then observing it. Like, why is this movie, why do people love or hate this movie? And, said it, and then I just watched it, and its effect was a lot better on me. It went up more in my mind the second time just because I watched it in a different frame of mind. For, for me, mm-hmm. watching it the first time, I'd give it a nine. Like, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. It would have been interesting to see if, see that same movie, like, with different people, if Will Smith had yeah. gotten on board with it. Since it was, he wrote it in mind, with Will Smith in mind, I wonder how... Because I've heard people say, it's Jamie Foxx, I don't like Jamie Foxx. I would say I, only I would have preferred Jamie Foxx between those two. I think yeah. Jamie Foxx has no, the I look. Liked this. I would have liked to have seen it, like you said, with... With Will Smith. Well, let's hop in the DeLorean <laughs> and we'll just kill Jamie Foxx as a child. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would have to do something like... Uh, They'll change everything. <laughs> the Men in Black 3, just squash it. Make 2 such a dud that it wouldn't... <laughs> yeah, there you go. go. But anyway. Or make him like flatten his tires in the day of the meeting to, to go meet him to even <laughs> star in the franchise and they don't make it. Although, I like Men in Black 3. Not the, I never watched it. you seen 1 and 2? or Yep. Didn't like Three's, two, loved one. I liked one, mm-hmm. didn't like the same though. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect three to be good at all. Just like, I want to see, I wanted to see it mainly because, excuse me, because of Josh Brolin. Because just in the preview, him pulling off a young Tommy Lee Jones, I was like, what? <laughs> damn, that's the best Tommy Lee Jones impression ever. Uh, so that's why I watched it. But I was actually like surprised at how good it was. I liked it better than the first one, personally. Yeah, I had to watch like, it. I even teared up a little bit. I thought it was great. Scooch. <laughs> it don't take much to make an old softy like me cry though. In fact, when it's all rocky, they, uh, the Cinemark Theaters play it. Uh, they have an old movie, like five movie films they play. Like You went to XD. another one, too. I think it was, I asked you if you wanted to go out and eat, and you were going to one of them. Oh, around Halloween, when it's a Halloween. Halloween. But uh, No, I thought it was something that your wife hadn't seen. Maybe, no, uh, no, the time you told me it was rocky. Oh, I thought it was something else. But anyway, unless like, you lied to me, you just didn't want to go eat. <laughs> well, you already ate anyway. Every time I got off work, anyway, we're watching Rocky. You know, I mean, as a, I mean, I'm sorry, but like the end of Rocky is like one of the best moments in any movie when he when the bell rings and mm. you know, in a, and everybody, of course everybody screams. You know, the the line Adrian. Well, like in the when you know, it's not funny in the moment because it's so awesome. Like you know, because he he did it. You know, he mm. he went the distance, and then we're watching. I'm, I, the tears are well enough, but I'm like, one's about to go down my cheek, and she's like. Hey, just like it instantly sucks back up because of my rage boy like she always says the worst things and like the, the parts that I like in movies that make me sad or happy I'm just but <laughs> my favorite so part mad. for that is when they start rushing into the ring it's kind of a, the shot's kind of far away and then everybody starts rushing in the ring that's what gets me mm-hmm. not really his talk. With the music dun, dun, yeah, dun, yeah and then everybody's like scurrying in like ants going into but there you go. What our Back to the Future segment? <laughs> yeah, Rocky. Well, we can do Rocky sequels on the show, but not the first one. But uh, and of course, we do have our contest still going on. Well, we just finished our Back to the Future segment, which is our new segment. We're looking for another one. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some good ones. Uh, we've had a couple emails, which we'll go over one of them shortly. But it's just been like you know, hey, we like the show or do this. No actual contest entries per se. Uh, so just send us your idea for a new segment, and. Uh, the one that we like the best. We get a prestige edition version of Modern Warfare 3 for the PlayStation 3. So if you have an Xbox, not a PS3, you can still win it and trade it in at GameStop for, you know, 30 bucks, Something like that. Get there something out of it. So send those to 80srevisited at gmail.com. And uh, also uh, any questions, comments, concerns, uh, hate mail, death threats, you can send those to uh, sedgley at gmail.com. No. Yeah. Uh, revisited at gmail.com. No apostrophe in that and also on Facebook, uh, look us up, Awesome Podcast Network, and uh, also on Twitter at Awesome Podcasts. Did I do it correct that time? Sure. Just saying that? Yep. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah, but also uh, we are part of, the, speaking of the Awesome Podcast Network, there are 
uh, one and a half other podcasts on the Awesome Podcast Network right now. One being Geekly Dose with Tim Bridgewater and Stephen Nocentelli. Get your weekly, or excuse me, bi-weekly Geekly Dose of all things geek, movies, comics. Well, comics are, that segment went bye-bye, but uh, comics, movies. Uh, <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue, the three. It does. Uh, movies and games and everything geek, uh, geek news. And uh, the last episode was really good where they went over, Tim went over his 10 films of the year, which I completely disagree with most of them, but check them out, <laughs> see what you think. We, he says himself we didn't see that many movies this year, so like, <laughs> go watch that, go listen to the episode. It's good. And uh, I forgot what Steven talked about. Oh, he talked about that uh, Chromebook, which Tech, I found really, yeah. uh, really interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking even, about getting one. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, wow, that's actually pretty cool it's cheap and it's like a full laptop for 250 yeah, for, yeah. like you said if you're getting it for the reason you're getting it which we won't spoil on this podcast right go, go check it out and the other half of a podcast we have daniel it's a <laughs> duo attack which stars jesse sigilly um and kind of yeah explain it jesse well the episodes are there for you to listen to if you're a fan of hero <coughs> clicks um it no plans to carry on any new episodes but yeah, it's there for you to listen to. You can learn a lot from it. Well, hopefully, it's not I know I, me as a player. It's not like those episodes will go, episode. go old and these these pieces are nope, go out of style just be or sitting something. There. Yeah. Unless iTunes gets like a virus that just deletes <laughs> everything and it's ruined forever. Well, that's just how people get it. It's not hosted on that's anything true. Apple affiliated. Like a nationwide EMP blast erases <laughs> every hard drive. <laughs> Imagine what that would All right. be. All right. Anyway. That's only happened, what, twice? So, <laughs> All of ours are lead-lined and in the yeah. vault under Jesse's yeah. uh, toilet. They are part so of the archives. They are safe. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, uh, sorry for the delay getting back to you, but of course for the holidays and family time and all that. Uh, but we are back, and next week we'll be back with Back to the Future Part 2 to hear Daniel's thoughts on the second entry into one of the Holy Trilogy. Well, actually, you know what? This might be the only Holy Trilogy left. Because Star yeah, Wars isn't a trilogy always anymore. Added them. Yeah. Lord of the Rings isn't a trilogy anymore, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still say the original Star Wars trilogy is the Naked holy trilogy. Eh, it's not holy. <laughs> Naked Gun's <laughs> badass. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's bad. Believe me, I love the Naked Gun. Actually, all the well, no, I think the last two were in the 90s, but the first one was in the 80s, wasn't it? I might we'll have to look that up. Yeah. If it is, we'll do those eventually. Okay. But yeah, so actually, I would say Back to the Future is the only holy trilogy left. No, sad to say. Matrix, no, you're not holy. You don't <laughs> no. compare to Back to the Future, almost. And you don't count anyway, because you have the Animatrix and all the other crap, so that was a release thing, so it doesn't count. So Back to the Future, no. Holy Trilogy, part two next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Trey Harris. I'm Daniel San Angelo. Jesse Sidon. Kawa, where we're going. We won't need roads, Bunga. The Awesome Podcast Network's Facebook at facebook.com slash awesomepodcastnetwork. And follow us on Twitter at Awesome Podcasts.